I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so through Patreon. I have attached the link on the website. So if you just visit the website, irelandsbirthstories.ie, you can then find the Patreon link there. Thank you to those that have. This week's episode is brought to you by Anya Hennessy Midwifery. Anya is not only a midwife, but she's also a hypnobirthing instructor. So hypnobirthing is not some strange hypnotic way to give birth with some old stigma surrounding it. It's a complete birth preparation course to give you back the confidence and knowledge to have a positive birth experience, no matter what type of birth you have. Vaginal, cesarean, induction or spontaneous at home or in the hospital environment, every birth of every type can be positive and empowering. When you know what's happening in your body and work in conjunction with the physical and physiological side, your body works in harmony, giving you the ability to stay calm and enjoy the entire experience. In Anya's class, you discuss lots of different topics and practice plenty of relaxation. So don't be too surprised if you fall asleep or leave feeling ready just to hop into bed. So under current restrictions, Anya obviously can't hold in-person classes, but she is holding her hypnobirthing class over Zoom. So she has kindly offered a 10% discount to any of the Birth Story listeners. So simply state the code Birth Stories 10. Um, I will link her Facebook page, Instagram and website so you can get in touch there with her to book the class. So this episode is part two of Alice's story. So last week I shared part one and we discussed her pregnancy, labour and the birth of her son Beau. This week we chat about her experience with suffering a postpartum hemorrhage. Last week I did touch on the fact that I found some of her story quite difficult to listen to. I just found it very upsetting to hear that someone went through what she did. So this episode might not be suitable for everyone at the moment. Alice talks us through, you know, in the first few hours, she felt very weak, she fainted, she had considerable blood loss and her sheets were changed five on five occasions due to the blood loss. So it wasn't until a little bit later that it was recognised that, okay, she had a postpartum hemorrhage and then the room was full with doctors, bleepers going off and it was a very intense moment. 
She was then transferred to the high dependency unit and later had a DNC. So she talks us through the reasons why she had the DNC and also her recovery. And something else that she touched on that really struck a chord was that she is aware of the difference, that there is a remarkable difference between PTSD and postnatal depression. I think that is definitely a conversation that needs to be started um, and amongst us especially. I will be having more conversations surrounding the difference um, over on between us um, and the different experiences and a moment with because I think it's definitely something that needs to be brought to the forefront. So thank you, Alice, for sharing your experience. I just know from the feedback I've had in the past few days from sharing part one that so many women have experienced uh, a PPH or excessive bleeding or bleeding that was maybe just a little bit too much um, to be left kind of untreated. So Alice has also said that if anyone wants to reach out, they're more than welcome. So do, I will tag her on the Instagram page, but do reach out if you're not on Instagram, but you listen to the podcast and I will link you up. So I hope you gain as much as I did from listening to Alice's story and I look forward to bringing you another episode next week. So then the rest of the day was filled with me bleeding very heavily to the point that my sheets were changed about five times. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I think at about five o'clock I had told my family that my sheets had been changed that many times so they were changed more but um and I really wasn't doing well with once I was lying down I was absolutely fine so I just had Bo in bed with me because I couldn't lift him I couldn't I couldn't stand out of bed um so at this point the lady who'd done the she was quite a stern midwife the lady who had said you don't need to be um and then there was a change of midwives and I got um, another one and she was aware of all the changes of sheets and um but she was lovely really lovely um I'm really attentive it's not like I was never seen when I was in there I was seen quite a bit um they were in and out to me all the time and so she came around to me at lunchtime and she said look do you want to try and get out of bed so I tried to get out of bed and I mean to sit up and get even a leg over the bed I was about to pass out like it just and my heart was racing so fast and my chest was just it was the weirdest feeling because it wasn't like you just run it was just like it hurt my chest hurt and um I said I can't so just sit on this chair so I got out and I sat in the chair and that was fine. I kind of, then lunch came for me and I was like, I just need to eat something. I just like, mm. I'll get some sugar into me and I'll be grand. So I eat whatever and she changes the bed and then I tried getting back in and I really like, it was just a struggle, a complete struggle. And I sort of fell into bed and was like, I can't, I'm so weak and I'm just keep fainting. So she said, I'm going to take your um, hemoglobin level um, Oh, I should also mention that at my 38-week appointment, she had said, um, pregnancy appointment, yeah. um, the, ner- the doctor said, you haven't had your um, iron levels checked since February. Why? And I was like, I don't know. So 38 weeks, I got them checked, and then I got a letter to say, you're anemic. Um, it was 11 
I think 11 and a half, like it's borderline. It's not too bad, but if you're pregnant and about to give birth, they kind of want you to up it as much as you can. So she said, then I'm going to take your hemoglobin. And I said, fine. And she came back to me about an hour later and she goes, it's 7.7. And I was like, Jesus, that's dropped a lot. And she said, yeah. And I said, okay. And she goes, so I think you just need to rest. It's fine. And I was like, okay, fine. Um, once people were telling me it was fine and everyone was aware of what was going on, I was fine because I thought I'm not hiding anything. You can see how much I'm bleeding and none of you seem phased. So I'm not phased. It's just really annoying because I remember looking across the way at another lady and she was standing up. She'd come in after me. She had shorts on and she was standing up and she was just, all I can describe it as is just playing with her baby. And I was just like, wow, why can't I do that? And how is she wearing shorts? And there's not blood everywhere because there was blood running down my legs all of the time. And I was like, wow, she was changing her nappy and changing her outfit. And I was just like, oh, I couldn't even. Forgetting it. I hadn't changed his nappy. I hadn't. I held him all the time. I just wanted him in bed with me. I wasn't going to put him in his crib. And she was great. The, the midwife was great. Mm. She'd always come and check me if we were sleeping. Um, so, yeah, then she said it was 7.7. And she said, your grant, just rest. So I thought, okay. In hindsight, that is the point when I should have had doctors come and check me out. Um, but I didn't. So... Um, shift change again and it's the more stern lady and she comes around and she says to me what why aren't you you haven't showered so I hadn't showered since I'd given birth and I was like now I know and she said you need to get up and you need to walk around and I said at that and then she said to me you know you can change him and at that point I thought she doesn't know how ill I am because there's absolutely no way no not getting it you don't understand I really and I'm not one to be kind of a wilting flower or over dramatic at all like I would never be like that so I just physically couldn't do it I knew it was dangerous to even try and stand let alone pick him up out of his crib and do anything I'd just drop him um so I thought she's not getting this so then she came around I said to her I can't I can't do that I'm telling you I cannot do that and she was like okay she said, do you want to try a shower? And I said, I would love to try a shower. I really would. Um, can someone come with me? And because I felt just awful, like just so dirty. Um, and she said, yeah, we'll do that. So this is like 11 o'clock at night. Bo had been born at 1 a.m. So we're coming up on nearly 24 hours. And um, I try walking to the shower and I start to but you know feel faint and so they get me a wheelchair and they wheel me to the shower and um I have a shower whatever it was very difficult like when I say walking I mean my legs didn't my brain wasn't computing with my legs it wasn't even that it was just physically hard they just weren't working I couldn't put a leg in front of the other my chest was beating so hard and my feet looked dead like there was no blood in my feet and I was just like what is going on this how has this wiped me so much this is not like me um so in the shower a lot of clots 
are coming out and I'm thinking, well, that's great. This will clear it now. This will, once these clear, I'll stop this bleeding. It'll be fine. It'll settle. So I come back to bed and they changed my sheets and it was all looking so lovely. And I was like, okay, great. And I'm feeling much fresher and this is great. So I get to like the crib and I'm just like looking over at Bo and I was like, I kind of feel okay. Like maybe, no, I won't. I'm not going to pick him up. So I'm just standing at his crib and I'm just bleeding. Like just, it's running down my leg. And I was like, this is so annoying. I don't know what is going on. So I call the midwives and I'm like, look, I'm really sorry. I just, oh, I had to get into bed at that point. I really felt like I was going to faint again. So I call the midwife and I'm like, oh, so I'm, I'm really sorry. Like I've just, there's blood all over the bed again. And I just can't get into bed and sit in blood again for the night. I'm just, can we try two pads? And okay. she's like, it was a student midwife at this point. And she goes, no, 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 it's okay. Get out of bed and we'll help you change again. So she gets me out. And they take down my underwear and she's like, um, okay, I think we need to weigh this. And I was like, okay. So she calls a midwife and the midwife comes and they're like, oh, okay. Um, yep. Send that, send that to be weighed. I'm like, my underwear. Ew. Okay. And then she's like, okay, hop into bed. And she starts to feel my abdomen, which I hadn't had that felt or palpated like for the day and she obviously what she feels is that my uterus has not contracted and it is above my belly button which it should be below and firm and it is above and what they call boggy so filled with blood um and you know clots of blood so she says um, Alex, I'm just going to go and get a doctor because I think we've got some clots that need to be removed. And I thought, great, fantastic. So I text Patty, it's now midnight. I text Patty and I say, there's a doctor coming. They're going to clear out the clots. Hopefully this will stop the bleeding. And that was the last message I sent to him. And he then responded with, great, blah, blah, blah. Oh. You know, you'll be, that's, that's going to sort you out now or whatever. <clears throat> so a doctor arrives with another doctor and she's lovely and she's like hi Alice I'm just gonna you know have a quick check of you and I just want to feel so she obviously she feels my abdomen and her and the midwife look at each other and I just see a look between them and they just nod their head and they're like yeah and then it just started moving so fast and she's like Alice I'm just gonna I think you've got some clots that have built up and we're just gonna need to remove them and I was like that's fine and she's like I'm so sorry to do this and I was like absolutely work away like I just was like yeah cool didn't was thinking this is just going to make it better so she sticks a forceps in and just starts clearing out and sorry to be graphic but it just spilled out of me like I could feel it all and I was just like okay another doctor then is trying to get a line into my arm and then they're starting to shake for crash carts and I was like who's getting a crash cart? I'm fine. And um, oh, they're just, gosh. there's now two doctors on either side trying to get veins. I'm getting injections in my leg, um, injections in my hand. Um, a doctor comes and he's looking at me and he just goes, she looks shocked. And I laughed because I thought he, I thought we were joking. I thought he was just like, oh, she looks a bit shocked. But he genuinely was actually just using like, 
they have to establish what um, state you're in. And that was what he was giving me. And then I realized like they weren't even paying attention to me anymore. And I was, so at that point then I did start to go into shock and I was um, shaking profusely. I could not stop shaking. They had also given me a Pitocin drip at this point. Um, I think it's Pitocin. Yeah. Um, and I do think that that actually kind of contributes to a bit of shaking because I know people will shake in labor and stuff. Um, so I think it was a mixture of both. Um, and the fact then at that point, then I was starting to lose even more blood than I had for the day. So, um, yeah, and the worst part of it is I just like, and it gets me just even thinking about it. Like I was fine. I kept saying to myself, you're fine. You don't even feel sick. You're absolutely fine. You stay focused. Do not like pass out. You're, you are fine. You're going to be fine. But like Bo was just pushed into the middle of the ward and just, you know, obviously he wasn't just pushed aside. No one was looking at him, but in my head, that's what happened. Like it, mm-hmm. all the attention just went to me. And like, if my partner had been there or any, you know, he would have had someone, obviously he has absolutely, you know, clue that that went on and he was none the wiser and he was snoozing away. But in my head, that's the worst part of the whole thing for me was just him being sort of, you know, I don't know. He was, yeah, just someone not being with him. Um, So they rushed me up to the ICU or the, um high dependency ward and um they just start it's obviously a ward that people aren't really with it when they're there because they just were talking like I was not there and it was extremely scary and they put in um a central line then and I was asking them trying to ask them what they were doing at this point I was starting to lose kind of consciousness and um I was in and out and then I can remember midwife standing over me being like Alice can we give him formula and I was like what and she's like can we give him formula and I'm I can't even speak I was just like like you know what I wanted to say was if you need to give him formula of course give him formula I'd love to breastfeed him though can he be brought to me I couldn't say any of that so I'm just like trying to nod and she's like what kind of formula do you want I'm like what I don't like whatever formula you want to give him she's like I engage I'm like sure whatever um so yeah then at that point I think I kind of crashed out and um not literally I just sort of like went to sleep I think um and then I woke to them saying she has a temperature and are we going to put the COVID protocol in place? And I was like, oh, you've got to be joking me. I was like, what? What is the COVID protocol? And there, there's a curtain around me. And so I'm just hearing them. And they're like, we have to take her to isolation. And I was like, no, oh, my God please don't take me to isolation. Like, this is just the most isolating thing already. Like, please don't take me to isolation. So oh, they all were saying to themselves, we know why she has, an, an, um, she has a temperature because of all the drugs that we administered so fast. Um, it's not COVID, but they have to, there's a protocol that they have with temperatures. So 
basically they decided they would just put a curtain around me and leave me in the room with all of them but just couldn't come into me um so I had obviously a nurse was coming in and out to um give me I was on every I think I was given every drug like there just seemed to be so much and um they treated me for like sepsis and um uh so I was on antibiotics IV antibiotics and then I had to get um two units of blood so um they gave me that and then um just kept checking my temperature and at this point I was like don't pass out again you stay with it and you listen to what's going on and um we have family that live in the states and he's a doctor and I text um his wife and I was like I wrote down everything that was happening to me at that time they were in California so they're actually awake as well which was amazing and I just wrote down everything that was happening every scary detail that they were saying because they were saying that she's tachycardic she's um where have we gone wrong what's happening and I honestly thought I was going to die like I was thinking why are they talking like this um so I just wrote down everything and I was like, this is what they're saying. And I needed to know why they were all being so serious because I thought, am I still in a danger zone here or am I getting better? So I just was like, you write down everything, you tell them everything that's going on and you stay awake, like don't don't pass out, listen to what's being said. And um, you have to, you're your own advocate right now. You have to, you have to stay with it. So, um, they had to do a COVID test on me, which came back negative, which was great. And so then after that, it took an hour to come back. So after that, they could kind of open the curtain a bit. And I felt like I was slightly less alone. But um, yeah, I was texting the family in the States who were coming back being like, did they say this, this and this? And everything he was suggesting they had done in our in Ireland. And so I was felt at ease with that. I was like, yeah. okay. Like you know, have they said, have they mentioned these words? And I was like, yes, like boggy um, uterus and all the kind of buzzwords. And he was like, okay, it's, you know, it, it's a hemorrhage that you've had because no one was telling me, you know, I asked some lady, I just said, what's wrong with what's happening? And she was like, um, you're just, you've lost a lot of blood. Um, but she wasn't the doctor. I don't know who she was. And she just wasn't really able to answer me. And I was just like, please answer me. And then I said, can I see can I see Bo? And I couldn't because I was getting my COVID test. And at that point I just was in floods of tears and I just was lying on my side and I could not stop crying. And I'm not a crier at all. And I wasn't sobbing, but I just literally couldn't stop tears coming out of my eyes. And I was just like, I was convinced I could hear him crying, but I'd come up in an elevator to go to the ward. So I knew it wasn't him. And obviously we were in a maternity ward, so there was babies crying everywhere. But I was like, that is my baby. That's him. He like he's screaming for me. This is it was just torture. Um and yeah, it was just amazing to have a focus though of texting my family. And I was just like, this is what's going. I would send them picture pictures of my monitor, and he would be like, That's great these are your numbers this is what the green means this is what the red means they look good and like they honestly saved my life that night 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Like mentally as well, it was just like I just had a focus and um something to sort of stay awake for and write to mm. and um not sense of so dramatic but like not give up I just didn't want to sort of pass out and just be like oh well I'm in good hands because I felt like no I'm in this situation because I wasn't in good hands so um I yeah anyway it once I got my two units of blood and um, I started to sort of um people eyes if you like I felt started to feel a little better um I mean I still felt fairly horrendous but um it was coming up to the morning now and at this point oh yeah I'd asked could I have my phone because I thought Paddy's going to get a message that says doctors are coming and then he won't have heard from me again so they were like do you need us to call him and I was like well no we can't can he come in I my one request was could he come in and sit with Bo and they said no and I was like, well, then, no, obviously don't call him. Um, I said, please, can you get my phone? Because I just need to see if he was like writing, being like, hello, where are you? Are you OK? But he'd written being like, I'm falling asleep. I'm so glad you're getting, you know, doctors are coming to you. You're in safe hands. I'll, you know, love you and I'll talk to you in the morning. And I was like, Grant, happy out. I was so happy that it happened in the night because the extra worry of my parents or Patty being at home for me would have just been like worse than what was actually going on I just felt like I was in control no one needed to worry and I didn't have to think about them being scared or sad at home mm-hmm. so at seven o'clock I just started to kind of you know they'd 
it was getting bright and they'd started to do rounds. So doctors were coming in and like the amount of doctors that had to come in and just they'd ream off what had gone on. The nurse would explain to them and they'd have to sign off their portion of whatever they were, like be it a blood doctor or whatever. Um, so my mom texted me then at about seven and was like, how was your night? So I sort of sugarcoated it slightly. Um, about what had happened and yeah I mean anyway long story short I basically was fine um, in the end I stayed um I stayed in the high dependency until that afternoon um then was discharged down to my ward they had said we're going to scan you and then I was discharged without being scanned and then about an hour later they came back to me and said we actually need to take you for a scan and I was like okay what's going on took me for a scan and there was retained placenta so this bear in mind is now Thursday no it's Wednesday I delivered him Tuesday morning at one and it's Wednesday afternoon late afternoon so there's still placenta inside so they say weigh up my options of like we give you this medication that can help you pass it's basically similar to what you take if you're or I think it's the same as what you take if you're having an abortion um so it's to expel it um you can try that or you can um we'll do a dnc so we went back and forth back and forth uh, and I said I'm happy to do the dnc and so they said okay so I had to fast from that night which like not ideal when you're nursing and just exhausted mm-hmm. um and um at that point the midwives were just just great they were just I mean they were people were into me all of the time from then on like it's not the place that you get rest <laughs> in hospital it was just be it my catheter being changed my IV bag being changed my vitals being checked um just injections all the time um of stuff and um so the next morning they came to me I was expecting to go for my DNC nice and early because I hadn't eaten and they came and said we're actually going to try these tablets instead and I was like oh my god's sake okay so take these three tablets so I took them and instantly I was so ill and I just started violently shaking and I could feel that I got a temperature then myself and for the first time I had to put bow like in his little basket thing beside me and just I could barely be curled up and that's all I could do I couldn't even reach for a hoodie or anything I just was so ill and and they were like we'll be back in three hours to check if that's worked and I was like okay fine so an hour and a half passes and then a whole other team of people come and they're like we're going to take you for for the DNC and I was like what what yeah I was like okay Okay. all right are we not waiting and they were like no no it's time to go let's go and I was like I'll take okay fine so I go for the DNC that all went well they took out it was like five centimeters of something um tissue placenta type thing and um this is now Thursday morning um Thursday afternoon and that was fine came back went into recovery came back from recovery and was had literally just been wheeled into my room had the gown still on everything and I'm 
talking to Paddy on the phone. And meanwhile, because so many different decisions have changed, my family were like, next time someone comes into the room, you leave us on the phone. And I was like, mm. okay, fine. Um, because it was just so hard being in there by myself and just having so much information plus your newborn and all of that comes with that and just being by yourself no one else being able to sort of listen and help you make decisions and take it in for you so I was like okay fine so I left Patty on the phone and I just put him down I didn't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable by being like we're all listening to you so in comes this lovely doctor who had given me the tablets that morning and she comes in and she says, hi. And I was like, hi. She goes, how are you? And I said, yeah, no, good. And she goes, is there any, anything? And I said, actually, I just felt a little bit of bleeding. And she was like, okay, do you mind if I check you? And I said, no. So she's going to check. And I said, so I believe there was tissue. And she was like, what? And I said, was it tissue or some placenta or something? And she goes, um sorry did you pass some tissue and I was like oh my goodness no yeah and I was like no and and she just stopped and she was like have you been for surgery and I was like yeah and she was coming to check because she she was following up her thing from that morning and she no one had told her that I was going for surgery and it was just I actually felt so embarrassed for her and like she was mortified and she was like I'm so sorry like it just looks so unprofessional and I was like no it's okay don't worry and she was like I'm so sorry I was like it's fine it's fine she was like so there was placenta then and I was like yeah I, I guess so I don't and she's like I look at your notes and I was like okay <laughs> that's probably good mm. so then like we got there was then a running joke of being like Alice you have had everything done don't let anyone else come and take you you're fine now and like I got back on the phone to Paddy and he was like, did she just, go? like, he just couldn't believe it. He was like, oh my God. And I was like, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And he was like, this is ridiculous. So, I mean, that sort of was, that was sort of the end of everything. That was Thursday. And I, they asked me if I wanted to stay, I stayed Thursday night. They did ask if I wanted to stay Friday, but um, I probably would have if, Patty had been able to be in with me um, yeah. because I was feeling a bit I was still very weak very shaky and um, but I just couldn't I couldn't tell him that I had to stay in one more night it was just like killing him um, and I mean sometimes he would just arrive at the hospital and drop me like a bag of grapes down at the porters and they'd bring it up I'm like I'm sorry you've probably seen a bag for Alice Murphy like 75 times but he just he was just helpless at home. He just wanted to be in. It was just so cruel in a way for him to mm-hmm. just, you know, um, have to listen to all of this going on and not be able to come in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was like the positives of me staying in, I think, were I had great help from the midwives with breastfeeding. Um, so I just, you know, as I said, I was there from Tuesday when I had him on Tuesday till Friday and they just were able to help me. So, you know, I was seeing some women going home after 12 hours and I was just like, Oh my God, that's, you know, amazing for them. But I'm nowhere 
near being able to go home after 12 hours but um yeah I just I got some help in there with with the feeding and I I literally didn't get out of bed until I had to go for that shower and then even at that like as I said I had my catheter and I didn't have to move so I had no pain like my stitches were perfect they opened when I had to go in for the DNC so I was restitched again so it took a little longer healing, but I wasn't up and moving and out and going. And, you know, I think some stories of women just being sort of up and out with other kids straight away. And um, I have just seen the benefit of just totally resting after it um, and not jumping up and moving my body. So I none of that pain. Um, and I, yeah, by the time before I had my transfusions, my hemoglobin had dropped to six. So it was a long time getting that back up. Um, yeah. I was about, I mean, it definitely was four months before I started to feel anywhere normal. And I was on the double dose of the iron tablets that you take, which are pretty strong in the first place. So I took double a dose of them for three months after. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was very lucky. I didn't have any um, postpartum blues, which, and my milk was amazing, which they couldn't believe. They were like, with iron like that and a trauma, you'd, you know, that can, you know, some women's milk then just can suffer. So I was really lucky. Um, I didn't have any of that. And um, I didn't have any postpartum um depression or anything and I've heard so many times and I think as well I think sometimes people with I've read lots now and I've heard of lots of women that have not actually known that they've had a postpartum hemorrhage I was never told in hospital that it was a postpartum um hemorrhage and I it wasn't even on my notes when I left I was discharged my labor discharge says I lost 350 mils of blood now my notes when I requested them have that I lost um a lot more blood I think it was two liters but and that was not all the blood that was measured for the 24 hours that I actually was hemorrhaging um so it was higher than that but that's not recorded um and I've heard lots of women saying I think that's what I had and they've just been told that they've lost a bit of blood and I'm not blanketing everything with that, but I think then um, PTSD can sometimes then be masked and people think, oh, it's just postpartum depression. Um, and people don't know that they've almost had a trauma and um, any sort of traumatic birth can can lead to PTSD, which then um, I've, I've, I've done so much reading on it now and it's a lot of the time people are just then diagnosed with you know postpartum depression and you've just and I think it's unfair to sort of um because even that in itself having that label someone just telling you that's what you have um can just be so upsetting and really what I think a lot of people don't seem to know is that they've gone through some some sort of trauma at birth and um it can actually just be post, um, it can be um, PTSD that you're kind of suffering from rather than um, 
uh, anything to do with um, postpartum depression. Yeah. yeah, really want to to tell women without it being scary, and this does not have to be kept in. Um, but like that, know how much bleeding is normal. It doesn't seem to be talked about, and if you're in a maternity ward and someone is seeing how much blood I'm losing and they don't seem phased, then I'm not phased as a first time mom who's never had a postpartum hemorrhage. Yeah. Because I'm thinking yeah. you're seeing this, this is all you're dealing with. It's not, we're not in a, in a hospital where there's tons of different things that could be wrong with me. So I'm thinking, well, you're not phased, but you know, and then I was met with loads of people being like, don't tell my daughter that don't tell, you know, I'm just like, okay, I won't because I don't want to scare anyone, but also I really want people to know. And It seems like you are watching everything unfold through the window rather than being in the room. Totally. Yeah, totally. I mean, at no point except when I was up there, I didn't feel scared until, until it sunk in a little bit and I was up in the room and I had sort of a moment, probably a couple of hours of feeling pretty scared. But... I just was like, maybe, maybe if I had had someone, I would have completely mm. collapsed and been like, ah, because someone else is there. It was a bit like when I was in the ad, the anti labor ward, and just being like, you've got to do this. You're just by yourself. This is you. It's just you. Like, you can't. You know, maybe I would have completely been a mess if there was someone else there with me. But mm. um, probably not. I think it would have been nicer to have someone. But um, yeah, I just. I'm really glad though it didn't, you know, I don't, I mean, I said I I didn't have any PTSD. I don't think I did, but I certainly think about it an awful lot. Um, It's easing a bit now. I mean, there was a point where I honestly, I didn't go a day without thinking about it, but it was just running through my head. It wasn't that I was sitting in a corner crying. I mean, about a week afterwards, I felt sick and I had a little, little panic attack of just like, and I had a slight fear. I kind of started banking breast milk because I was like, what if I'm taken away in the night? I can't believe I'm his only source of food. This is like, oh my God. So I just started pumping and having a freezer full of stuff just in case, like, you know, obviously he would have been totally fine, but that was obvious. I'd say slight PTSD, but, um, you know, I read about some women who just can't, mm. they do not want to get pregnant again. Their periods um, send them into overdrive. They can't watch films about birth. I know it's just, it's, it's really, I mean, I think I got out oh, yeah. very lucky um, because I, I do think I'm, I'm fine. I mean, it's not to say if I get pregnant again, I'm sure I'll be a little squirrely coming up to the, to the, birth but I absolutely would avail of any kind of support or anything that um a hospital would have to offer but um yeah I just think of some women just have been completely um scarred by it and has completely overshadowed and ruined their um experience but um and then have the lasting experience which as I said it didn't affect me I could I could breastfeed him I didn't have any um postpartum depression um so I'm you know I'm fine I'm fine and I I'm not jumping into having a baby anytime soon but that's not because of anything that happened and um, 
I'm grateful for that. Like I, I really loved being pregnant and it didn't overshadow that. Um, I look forward to being pregnant again and I look forward to laboring again. And I really do. I really, really loved it, even though it wasn't the most ideal. Even, even Bo coming out, I mean, that was kind of dramatic, but it kind of was overshadowed by what happened afterwards. But um, I sort of related to going through this pandemic, whereas like at the time you're all just trudging along and you're living it and you're like, yep, yeah, this is what we have to do. And it probably is when it all ends that you go, what the hell was that? Um, so in hospital, I just was like, yeah, we just do what we have to do. Yeah, grand, let's do it. Honestly, the one thing that got me was, yeah, I was actually like, which is ridiculous. I was so upset then afterwards that he had to get formula. And I was like, what if he doesn't breastfeed for me again? And I think that was probably because I was able to hold on to just that one thing of being like, that's what I'll hold on to being traumatic out of all of this is that he had to get formula, like ridiculous. Um, The DNC was hard knowing that I'd have to be away from him again. And I asked if I could pump throughout the night so that he could have that milk while I was gone which they were great with. They were like, yeah. And she really wanted me to sleep through the night. She was like, please let me take him and just sleep. And I was like, no, I don't want to. I just, just let him stay with me and I will sleep, but wake me to pump. And um, anyway, I, did, I don't think they got that much from me. And like I had always said to them, obviously you do what, there's not enough milk. I of course give you, the permission to feed him whatever he needs so um yeah but um I think yeah I just yeah you kind of had to you either would fall apart and lose your mind and feel sorry for yourself yeah. or just get up and go and I think having Bo as well you just I was his advocate then and I just had to be strong for him and um make sure he was fine and feeding and all that so um yeah, but I do feel horrible for anyone out there that's going through anything traumatic um, in hospitals by themselves. And um, yeah, it's just a weird time that we're going through. Um, and hopefully next time I have a baby, I don't hemorrhage. And But if I do, then I have support in there in the hospitals. Oh. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah, I'm sorry it went on for so long. That was going to be a quick chat. <laughs> Oh, no, not at all. Um, no, it would be so useful to so many women just to bring awareness to what's normal and what's yeah. not, because it's really, really important. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think what you've said, I've heard in other people's story about um, a lot of pe- women have suffered hemorrhage without yeah. being aware. And then it's not until their pale face look at themselves in the mirror a couple of days, weeks later that they realize how serious it could have been. When you're that run down mixed with all your hormones flying around it doesn't lead for a very it's not a good mix um I just feel like maybe because Mm. I knew what was going on with me and why I felt so terrible and so shit took away from the fact that you're not thinking oh my god am I do I have postpartum depression do I feel just shit because of it like just I can't imagine not knowing it just wasn't talked about and I just would hate that I've read so many times that people just didn't know that that's what they had and I'm thinking this is crazy we need to know how much is normal we need to know um the protocols involved with 
if you're going through pads too fast in hospital, all of that, um, and at home, because obviously hemorrhages can happen up to three months postpartum. You could just be sitting at home or walking down the street. And um, yeah, anyway, that's, um, yeah. Thank you for letting me share my story. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to share your story, you're more than welcome to. You can get in touch via Instagram at Ireland's Birth Stories or you can reach out over the website, irelandsbreathstories.ie. I look forward to bringing you another episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.